Hey everybody, welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. Today we bring you a fascinating conversation with Link Kroger of Pillar Technology and The Forge in Des Moines, Iowa to talk about bringing tech jobs to rural America, and in this case, specifically to rural Iowa. Link and his company are pioneering an initiative that is truly forging the future and changing how we approach jobs and education in rural America. I learned so much in this conversation, and I think you will too. We're glad to have you with us today. Well, we're here today with Link Kroger of Pillar Technology in downtown Des Moines in their really awesome offices. Link, thanks for being with us today. It's great to be with you, Dana. Let's have you set the stage today by telling us a little bit about Pillar Technology. What is Pillar? Pillar Technology is a technology services company that creates software for us and software for our clients. It involves consulting and business strategy, uh, digital experience, user experience, and software craftsmanship and creating uh, world-class solutions for Fortune 1000 companies to Fortune 50 to uh, startups in the technology area. Awesome. So why we're talking today is because we want to talk about something that you're doing moving forward that's going to involve rural America, which is this great project. But kind of starting out, tech jobs in rural Iowa are two terms that are not often used together. But you have been working hard to change that. So tell us more about that. Yeah, so growing up in rural Iowa myself in a little town called Independence, Iowa, up in the northeast uh, side of the state, I, many people like me grew up, uh, you know, playing Atari and Commodore, you know, I'm showing my age a little, but, um, you know, then you get out and you learn basic programming and you found out really quick if you wanted to do something with technology or software development, you'd have to leave not just rural Iowa, but Iowa itself uh, back in the 80s. Uh, now in Des Moines and Cedar Rapids, it exists in some spots throughout the state, but there really isn't, um, there is no opportunity or education in those rural Iowa locations or rural America locations that I know of. So you've created this thing called the Forge, and how does that fit into Pillar, and why did you develop that? Well, the Forge is a uh, inspiration of our CEO, Bob Myers, and there were several things that he noted. Uh, one is that companies had this indefinite backlog of problems to solve around technologies. If you talk with businesses and you say, hey, does your IT department solve all of our technology problems, they will probably just, you know, vent and talk about how they can't get anything done. Um, And Bob's perspective was this isn't a problem of just needing more capacity. You really need to think differently in how you approach that. A couple of examples are Uh, And now Agile is a mainstream approach to this, but also like speed to value. So we um, would work with clients who would be working on projects that might take 18 months to get their idea to reality, whereas we would take an approach of speed to value, meaning understand their business problem, slice it, and make sure you're delivering value every two to three months and having a more incremental approach to, to delivering it, much like you'd see the standard Silicon Valley like startup work you know, that's kind of standard play now. But back 15 years ago, that was not standard that you'd see in the industry. So you've decided then to take this with a specific project to Jefferson, Iowa, right? Yes, that's correct. Tell us more about kind of how that came to be and and why did you choose Jefferson? Well, I relocated back to Iowa after being gone almost 30 years to Des Moines to open a forge here in Des Moines. 
And, um, you know, after working with Pillar as a, where I was the customer and they were the service provider for a decade, um, I really knew the business well. And five years ago, I became an employee of Pillar and then moved to Des Moines to open this forge here. And, um, you know, I just have knowing their business and what they do and, and the work being done out of a forge that I understand that um, you could do this out of a rural location. And, um, you know, most of our employees, even in Des Moines, were from rural Iowa and then went to usually Iowa State or Iowa or Simpson College or Drake or somewhere, got a computer science degree or design degree, and then came here after many years of experience and then training with us. So I knew that we could do this. The problem is there's no uh, clients in rural America and there are no... um, there's no educated talent there, right? There's a lot of talent, but it's just not educated. And one of the uh, people from Modus Engineering I was working with to open the Des Moines Forge, Chris Deal, he was designing our engineering of this forge. And he heard me talking about, well, hey, you know, in a couple of years, we're going to be opening one of these in rural Iowa. And um, he goes, wow, how about Jefferson? So we explored that idea around Jefferson. Um, I did a site visit with him. And the big piece they were missing in Jefferson was they didn't have that community college because the vision was that they would, um, that while students were in high school, they could take classes to try out things like software development or different aspects. And then if they liked it, they would finish that associate degree in their community, in their community college, and they would join us and go through our Pillar Academy. But I told Chris, well, you don't have a community college, so this isn't going to work for Jefferson, but thanks for, you know, being interested. I'm going to go look at other rural communities. Yeah. Uh, but he came back about nine months later um, and said, hey, we've got a community college. It's going to become the town, Iowa Central Community College. Let's talk about this some more. And Jefferson really fit what I was looking for because it's more than an hour away from Des Moines and it's less than an hour and a half. Uh, it's not, it's within an hour and a half, but more than an hour. So that way it's true rural. So it'll be a great experiment to see, you know, how do we really make this work? And it's not too close to Des Moines where it's really not just a suburb because we looked at um, uh, Newton, Iowa, which is about 40 minutes away from here. And it had a great building from the old Maytag complex for anybody from this area who's gone out there, which was gifted to DMAC, the Des Moines Area Community College, which is a fantastic community college and great people. But it was just too close to Des Moines. So Jefferson really fit that distance. Uh, they had a, a great um, leadership team who really wanted to bring this to the community and were really working. You know, we needed to have dual redundant fiber because this business runs on technology. If you think about you're interacting with your clients on the West or East Coast, how do you, um, you have to have that reliable technology between them. So um, that the community leaders there and all the pieces that all just came together. That's so great. So I can imagine the town of Jefferson must be pretty excited about this. They are. And we actually, tomorrow evening, your timing is great, we're doing our celebration of this and kind of our media announcement, which I know you've been invited to and it'll be here. So it'll be a great experience. We'll have uh, probably close to 200 people here. Uh, Senator Grassley, uh, Congressman David Young, Governor Reynolds are three of the kind of the keynote kickoffers of uh, talking about this. Um, So Governor Reynolds has been a major proponent of STEM 
in Iowa, and I don't know how familiar you are with that since you you know moved to Nashville. But um, <laughs> a little bit. She is a lieutenant governor. When I first opened here, maybe fifteen employees. She visited. She was a lieutenant governor, and she said, "Hey, anything I can do to help, let me know." And she's because she's really driven STEM and the school systems, the K through twelve. And uh, her her group worked. Um, to bring Apple here to Des Moines. I don't know if you heard that, but they're moving their international data center to Des Moines and they closed that deal this year. Um, it's gotten some, some scrutiny over it because a lot of people felt that the money should have went toward education. And this is not a political statement. It's for me and my bias of uh, what's important to bring in technology and um, you know, bringing a renaissance, renaissance, if you will, to the rural America, you know, I grew up in, in Northeast Iowa in the 1980s, and I don't know if you knew this, but the highest unemployment in the country was Dubuque, Iowa, when I lived there, and it was in the 24%. Wow. And my education was fantastic, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of education, but if you have education without the jobs, then what good does it do? Yeah. So what's been really helpful to me is I travel out to San Francisco and Palo Alto and Seattle in these areas where they're shipping so much work offshore and I'm there to bring it back here initially to Iowa. And now it's changed our brand of Iowa because before I would hear things like, well, Iowa, is that corn or is that potatoes, right? Because uh, of Idaho and the yes. Iowa thing. And now people will say, well, gosh, that's where the new Apple International Data Center is going. So it's really helping to flip our brand. Um, so there's a lot going on in the state of Iowa. And I don't know if you saw the article, but we were voted the uh, number one state to live in in the country. I think it was U.S. News and World Report. Yep, I was, think that's right. Was the magazine. And part of that was because we have such a great technology backbone in rural Iowa. Like Chris Deal, he lives on a farm, but he has fiber that goes to his farm. And that's a pretty common thing in rural Iowa that's not so common in the rest of the country. Right. So you've decided on Jefferson for a number of reasons. I'm glad that worked out. And you are renovating a historic building in their downtown, so on Main Street. What has that experience been like? Well, we looked at, um, so Jefferson is a town that's kind of going through a little revival after a big decline. Okay. So it's its lowest population since I think World War II. It's a city that's really dried up. And uh, they've done a couple of, uh, they've been really trying to do the Main Street you know, um, restorations because they had, if you were to go downtown five years ago, you know, kind of that small main street kind of feel that most, uh, most towns do. It's a community of about 5,000. There were so many empty of their downtown buildings, um, that they'd already started, you know, repairing and restoring and trying to get some small businesses in there. And they had uh, four open buildings. And I looked at each of those and this, the one we picked was just the right one that matches a forge, which if you think about, you know, in the forge in the old days, you would, you know, be forging something with metal and a crucible. And those same themes are still in our forge, like our main meeting area or conference room is called the crucible. Um, you know, where the metals mix and the impurities come out and all of those pieces. Um, but it's really about technology. So you get this really modern feel, but you get this historic feel. And that's the building that we picked, a lot of brick, um, just, a, just a great selection. And part of the restoration, and it's an, it, I don't think it's had anybody in it since the 1930s. Wow. So it's been empty for a long time. It was originally um, the Odd Fellows. Um, I can't remember what you call the organization, but one of those secret society kind of things yes. <laughs> um, that we watched movies about with Nicolas Cage. But um, the, uh, 
but now it's going to be going through a complete restoration, but yet it has the, um, part of what's paying for this is the historic tax credit. So okay. it's going to be restored, maintaining all the historical nature of the, of the building. Um, so it's a really neat, you know, wood floors, tall ceilings, just that vintage um, old building that's going to have that tech spice in it. Awesome. It sounds great. And your commitment is not just to helping restore the main street, but you also want to pour into these people and provide training starting in high school. So tell us more about that. Yeah. So we'll be talking to the sixth, seventh and eighth graders, uh, their parents sharing the possible career opportunities that would be right there in Jefferson. Um, they take classes when they enter their high school years to the community college. We partner with them and giving them feedback on their projects and on their work. And if they stick on the software development path, um, when they would graduate high school, we estimate it'll take them probably a year to finish their community college program in software development. And at that point, um, they apply to go to the Pillar Academy, which will be right in Jefferson. And that will be a debt-free um, opportunity. Uh, we're still working through some of those details, but it would be a minimum of $30,000 at the least to take if they went and paid for it at some program. Then that's a six to 18 month program. And the reason I say six to 18 months is Today, when we hire an Iowa State or Iowa or Simpson graduate, we spend that four to six months of training with them to get them to where they could actually do what we do. So when the students graduate our Pillar Academy, they'll be at that same level of computer science as an Iowa State graduate after our training. Um, so that's a really advanced level that they'll get there with no college debt. And at that point, they would enter a two-year apprenticeship program with us, certified by the Department of Labor, where at the, um, so when they graduate the Pillar Academy, they start work for 55 to 60,000 a year. So probably 20, 21 years old um, in Jefferson. Um, then they go to the two-year apprenticeship program. And when they graduate that, they're making roughly 75,000 a year. Um, so you think about a 23, 24-year-old who has no college debt, making 75000 a year, really at the beginning of their technology career where it's only up. So it's, it's really a fan. You know, me growing up in, in Independence, you know, rural Iowa, if I would have had an opportunity like this, you know, I would have jumped on it. I did the, uh, you know, my brother went to UNI, University of Northern Iowa, and left the state. My sister went to Iowa State and left the state. That's the traditional approach for people who grow up in rural America is you leave when you turn 18, right? And you probably never come back, but maybe Christmas and Thanksgiving. So I did a little different path. I did the, I joined the Air Force and then did the GI Bill and took 16 years to complete a computer science degree. So for me, I had a lot more pain because I didn't like the idea of debt coming uh, like my brother and sister were willing to do. Um, but most rural Americans, it's when you go to college, you just take on the full debt because um, you probably don't come from a family with money if you're from rural America. There's just not, you know, you might have a good living, but your parents probably couldn't save up to help you. And you definitely wouldn't have had a job capable of saving it up. So for me, I look at this and I go, wow, what an opportunity I wish I could have had to um, just to get that full education and job. And then they have no obligation to stay at, at Pillar. They can still go wherever they want from that. So um, there's really not a reason to do it unless you didn't want to do software development. That's incredible. And that's like the number one thing I hear people saying that is holding them back from moving back to rural communities is the college debt. So you're just taking that out of the equation immediately so that they don't even have to mess with that. That's amazing. Yeah, we're really excited to see how this works in Jefferson, uh, our first one. But we hope we intend to do many more. We're going to learn from this one 
and uh, we'll watch it expand. Probably initially would be Iowa because it's close, and we'll have uh, the people leading this program here in Des Moines and then building it up. But then we hope that it proves itself in Iowa and we can expand to other states. And the schooling part of this, do you hope that you can replicate that with other local community colleges as well? Yeah, there's 15 community colleges in Iowa, and we're working with a half a dozen of them now to look at their programs because they really don't teach software development today. They might teach the prerequisites that you would take to go to like Iowa or Iowa State or UNI or Simpson um, or one of the other schools that has a four-year degree, but they they don't teach the actual typically software development classes because there's not a, a market for the jobs in their communities. Okay. Um, but yes, we, we'd love to see this replicated to all of the um, starting with, you know, DMAC helping with Iowa Central Community College and then expanding out past that. But we're already talking to half a dozen of them. And there's, there's some that really want to take the lead in this and say, we just have to do this. Uh, the, the spirit behind this and the people um, wanting to make this work, it's just an incredible energy of people saying, we just have to make this work. It's, it's inspiring to be around them. It's inspiring to hear about, that's for sure. Well, I want to talk with you a little bit more about the term brain drain. And that is often used to describe this movement of young people moving away from rural America. What are your thoughts on that term? Well, you know, I, I believe that's an accurate term because um, what you see is people leaving their rural and then going to college, right, or something else, but typically college. And when they graduate college, you know, let's say you go, you know, I pick wherever you're at, in rural America, but like in Iowa, you go to UNI, Iowa State, or Iowa, or another college, but you're not at home anymore. So it's a natural kind of feeling to graduate college and just leave the state because you're not home, right? Those college towns to rural people are not their home, so there's not a big draw to stay there. Now, if they could find a job or something, but my feeling on it is that if there's another opportunity outside the state, that's just as good as an opportunity in the state because it's not home. Um, so that creates a major, and it's a major problem for Iowa of, of all these very intelligent people getting college educated and then leaving the state. So this, we hope, will be a, um, a, big, a big turnaround in that aspect. And not just leaving the state, but also staying in rural because, you know, the, the interesting thing is, um, you know, you can plan and you can imagine uh, you can you can do all of these things, but you can't determine what the future is. So even in Jefferson, when we started this, um, I just was like, well, what's going to happen when this goes, right? I mean, these people, when they graduate the academy, are they going to go start their own startups? Are there going to be some businesses in town that move in? Um, you know, what's going to happen when you have this new catalyst of, you know, 25 to 75 high-paying jobs, um, where people now can move from places like Chicago and L.A. or whatever big city, you know, me living in Cincinnati, Ohio for over 20 years, I spent many, many, many days, you know, 45 minutes driving, 45 minutes driving back. You couldn't see your, your kids when they were in a school activity. You know, uh, a lot of cities have a lot of high crime. You know, it's just an anxiety a lot of times. There's a great energy to being in a big city. Um, but there's also a lot of anxiety because it just never goes away, that adrenaline. And it, especially if you had crime and being separated from your family and, you know, long commutes. So that opportunity to be able to do the same kind of career that you did in these big cities, but be able to see your kids with a three-minute drive, spend time with them, with a the teacher, and then be back at work and it's just over a lunch break. And then you're home in five minutes after work, right? It's, um, it's a very appealing um, 
lifestyle for a lot of people that they would really love to have that quality of life. And they're just looking for the right opportunity. Yeah, and they don't exist today. I don't know of really anyone doing this. There's probably some examples, but something as formal as us. And, you know, I'll kind of tangent into what really is one of the key elements of success to this is that um, we, we uh, as a country, we ship 200,000 to 240,000 jobs a year offshore in tech. Now, part of that reason is we don't have the trained people to do it and we're missing on the talent. But the other part is it's just it's just become as habitual in people's minds when I talk to them as it is for somebody in rural America when they graduate high school, they just know they're going to leave, right? They're just so used to these companies are just so used to taking their tech work and shifting it offshore to Asia, they don't even think about it. So when we talk about, you know, you could ship this to rural America and let's look at what that does to our country when you ship this to rural America. Plus we can probably do it from 20 to um, 30% of the same footprint. Meaning if you have three or four people doing this in Asia, we can probably do it here um, for a third to a fifth of the amount of people it takes there uh, for a multitude of reasons. And I would love to take anyone on in that competition to prove that out, that we can, we can do this with a third to a fifth of the people here, the same kind of project technology creation work. That's incredible. So some of your goals with The Forge are to rebuild rural communities and their economies and keep families together. How do you see The Forge playing a key role in that? Well, you know, one, it's a change of mindset. So again, it's that conveyor belt of, you know, you see everyone when you're going through elementary school and junior high and high school, you see people graduate and you see people leave. And that's the full pattern you're exposed to really your whole growing up life. And it's just what happens, right? People graduate and then they disappear. Yeah. Um, so changing that to being the possibility of, you know, that's not how it has to be. You can graduate and you can stay here. Then um, there's a whole amount of enablers that have made that happen, you know, like the technology enabling broadband so you could do your jobs there, the fact there are actually jobs there, the education, the affordable homes. So all these elements, the elements that make that possible. So when people understand that there is the possibility that they can stay, then, you know, they start looking, well, what are those possibilities? In fact, I just had a meeting a couple hours uh, before you got here with another organization where, we're, you know, we can do this with HR, we can do it with accounting. If you think about all of these different key skill sets that are being shipped offshore right now and to say, we can educate, we can create the environment, we can create the structure, uh, these great businesses who are already very successful, like Pillar's very successful at this today. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a great business that does these leading edge technologies that are beating out these major companies in technology. And then we're going to be doing them in, in rural America. There's no reason these other companies that aren't successful can't leverage the same model to put these other skill sets in rural uh, America. And now you have this whole change in mentality. But that's the first thing we have to do is change the mentality that this is possible, that you may not just have to leave. Then we just have to keep cultivating this and we have to get companies to realize that are shipping these things offshore that this, you know, try this, right? It's going to be a better value. And think about, this is how we pay off our national debt. If all of these areas that are poverty right now become areas of surplus tax, then, you know, we're going to change this whole system from becoming a dust bowl of drying up and being for the next 40 years, this sucking sound out of the tax system into putting money back into the tax base 
Um, that's a major pivot for the country that we could do. Poverty, um, family, all these different areas that can contribute to that. Absolutely. And you're setting a precedent for a lot of different industries so why is rural America, and particularly rural Iowa, I know you grew up here, but why is this near and dear to your heart? You know, and I'm sure it's it's a heavy cultural emphasis. You know, I'm 50 years old now, and the older you get, the more your perspective changes. Uh, when I was 18, I couldn't wait to leave rural Iowa, and it took me, um, and I got married very young. Uh, I was 20 years old, and um, it took me another six years after that really having kids to say, boy, that rural life was really great. You know, your your whole selfish life changes a lot when these little critters we call kids come along that change our whole lives and our love and our heart and all the pieces and, you know, the memories of our childhood. But, you know, what a rural community offers in, in family and life and love, um, companionship. Um, you know, it took me a long time. I was really surprised you know, when you walk down the street in Independence, Iowa, or wherever you're at, you look somebody in the eyes and you say, hey, Dana, how you doing, right? And you, and you smile at them and you see them. And I remember the first time walking down the streets in a bigger city and looking at smiling people and looking at them in the eye and, and them not looking at me. And I was like, man, what's the deal? Are they just rude? And then you realize you can't stop and smile at everybody and make a connection because there's too many people, right? Yeah. So just that economy of scale of humaneness changes in a big city um, that when you're in a rural environment that, um, you know, it's so tight of a community. And I often think, you know, like if you see farmers and somebody's sick or you see um, just a problem in the family, you'll see the other farmers in that community go, you know, help them with harvesting crops or whatever it is, right? You'll just see it happen. Nobody wants money. That's just what you do. Um, and I think also with in, in northern Iowa, kind of the extreme winters, there's a little bit element of survival yes. that um, <laughs> you learn that you have to help each other. And it creates a culture of it's a natural support system for other people when they're in trouble to help them. So I just really view the rural um, lifestyle of, of knowing people, looking them in the eye, um, you know, in the big city. And there's a lot of good things about bigger cities. And I've really enjoyed um, decades of living in them and experience them and traveling and consulting and meeting the people. Um, but there's so, just something to say about you just don't feel this deceitfulness and this, um, you know, in the bigger cities, it's like, do people really care about people? I mean, I'm not saying they don't, but it's you can't care about every individual that walks by you. And you can when you're in rural America, right? Yeah. You, you know them, you know, you know their families and people just help each other. So, you know, I probably lingered on too long on that, but it's, it's such an element of of it's just you're not spending your life in your car your thoughts it's it's uh it's a slower pace it's not saying you do less work but your your anxiety um your ability to look at what's important just seems so much easier when you're not just running 12 hours a day and trying to get places and you're just busy but it's that activity but it's not accomplishment right yeah and you can take that time that was your two to four hours of busy time from living in a big city and use that to how you know art or thinking or reading or spending a time with family you have more time for quality and you're not exhausted all the time yeah well how can we follow along with pillar technology and the forge movement as it keeps evolving well i'm hoping we'll be able to announce uh, more of these soon 
but I would say let's keep doing some more of these podcasts and give people some updates over time. And uh, maybe we go to Jefferson and we talk to some of the residents. I know it was uh, a very emotional moment for me before the, so on April 3rd, they had a bond um, vote on whether they were going to build this new high school and community college in Jefferson, which passed and the last two failed. Um, but this one passed. And just before the election, I was in Jefferson and I went to this local restaurant and um, I was eating lunch there and I looked and I saw two high school area age girls and I went over and I talked to them and I just said, hey, what do you what do you think about this new Forge thing that's coming to town? And just to watch their eyes and to listen to them. Um, one of one of the young ladies was in a coding program in the high school and um, she didn't know it, but I'm all choked up because she's talking about her future and she's talking about how this could change her life and what she was going to do. And I'm sitting here going, man, this is too intense. Uh, but just listening to her, um, but but to I think really to listen to me less in these next podcasts and let's talk to people in the community as this starts happening and what are they seeing and how do they feel and has it changed their perspective on will they still be here? You know, um, you know I, I visit a lot of rural communities and one of them um, I was talking with and they asked their high school graduates, their class getting ready to graduate, they ask them every year, how many people love growing up here? And everybody raises their hand. And then they say, how many people want to stay here? And this year's statistics for this graduating class were one person raised their hand to say, I'm going to stay in my hometown. Wow. And this is a bigger community of about 25,000 total metropolitan area of, uh, you know, rural, on the edge of what you'd call rural, but 25,000. It's still, but it's not near a big city. So anyway, one person said they wanted to stay. And I would love to see is this happens and people see futures and careers and not just poverty. And because today you're pretty much going to be probably manufacturing, which there's nothing wrong with that, but that's manufacturing or agriculture um, or maybe a government job or teaching, you know, that's still a government job. Right. So are starting a small business, but typically small businesses don't make a great amount of income. Um, so it's, you know, it's a real challenge if you do decide to stay. So I want to see what people say. Maybe we can do this and we can go to Jefferson or we can get some people here and we can talk about how they're seeing it progress and um, how they feel about it. I would love to do that. I think that would be a great perspective. We're all on board. Well, one last question. Is there anything we can do to get involved with what you're doing at Pillar Technology? Well, if you know any businesses that have technology needs, like they're creating software, um, you know, it could be finance companies or health, really any company that's a significant size company needs technology. And I don't mean like small companies, we do typically larger projects. Um, but if it's a small, um, I shouldn't rule out a small company because you never know, but it's not really a small business. But if you knew, you know, bigger companies like Fortune 1000 companies and you knew executives or leaders in those organizations, if you could go to futurereadyiowa.com, um, you'll find my contact information on there and more about, you know, there's some videos on there you can see of what we're doing. And that's another place you can look to to see any updates because we'll be putting more pictures as like the Jefferson Forge gets built. Um, and more as we do more forges, we'll put information on that futurereadyiowa.com site. The futurereadyiowa.gov is the state of Iowa's program. So don't get those too confused. And it's a great one to go to. Also, they have a lot of resources there. But if you have any contacts who are looking instead of shipping it offshore to look at a, um, a company like us who is going to do this uh, in the United States and put rural Americans that are highly educated to work, then I would absolutely appreciate um, any references to that. Sounds great. 
Link, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This is great information. We're so excited about everything you're doing. Keep up the great work. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Well, as you can tell, Pillar Technology has a lot of amazing things going on, and I love how forward-thinking they are to look outside the box and create new opportunities. And to see their heart for people and rural communities and the possibilities there, I really believe what they're doing will be a game-changer for rural America, and I'm excited to see how this comes together. We will definitely be bringing you more from them as this project progresses. But in the meantime, go check out futurereadyiowa.com and also check out the podcast notes to learn more. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll be back with you next week.